Leaders in tech are burning out at an absurd rate. Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Jury is a no-BS conversation with one of the top female executives who spent over 25 years in Silicon Valley. If you're suffering from the always-on, never-good-enough-will-replace-you-today machine called the tech space, this show's for you. Here's Lisa. Hey, hey, everybody, Lisa Dury, Control-Alt-Delete, and do I have an amazing guest for us today. I have to tell you, when I got the opportunity to say yes to having our guest on, I was so excited because here's the deal, whether you're a founder or it's your first job in tech, anywhere in between, our guest today has been in your shoes, has actually lived the experience, and is going to talk to us today about life in tech and what it means to have a full life, not just being the most amazing programmer, coder, salesperson, founder, like to be a full, fully integrated person in work and in life. And I'm so happy you're here today, Karan Gupta. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be here. I've heard your podcast. Uh, you're, doing, you're doing something awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, you're going to be helping me with the awesome today because your experience blows my mind. Um, I don't even know where to start, and I know it, it's such a robust, uh, such a robust background that you have. I'd love for you to just tell the audience, you know. So, if you're listening in, why should I listen today? Can you just give us a, you know, a sneak peek into what makes you so busy and awesome? Because you are doing a lot of really cool things. Um, thank you, thank you for for saying that. That's very kind. Uh, yeah, I can give a quick introduction. So. I am a EVP technology at shift.com, which is a marketplace for cars. So if you're looking to like sell your car or buy one, it's a pretty easy way to do it. Um, I helped take the company public last year. So that was a lot of fun, great experience. Uh, before that, I was at uh, the Real Real, where again, uh, kind of helped take the company through IPO, which is great learning experience. Um, other than that, I advise a couple of, couple of companies. Um, one is Alfie, alfie.co which is a platform to advance women professionally from really early in their career journey. So, so that's a very, you know, it's a very fulfilling, uh, you know, part of what I do every week. I also support aliceapp.ai. This is a fast and secure service for investigative journalism. Um, what else? A couple of companies before that. Yeah, I founded and sold a Slack-like collaboration startup. Um, took it through AngelPad, which was, which was great. So it's, it's been a fun few years. But, but yeah, I'm an engineer at heart, uh, have a background in, in AI and robotics. So I always, I love to tinker. I, you know, I just have to say, I love to tinker. That could be like the slogan, right? When you think, when I look at this, this progression and then fueling your, your, your passion, right? Your real care abouts about advancing women in the workplace too, especially in tech. The thing that really stood out to me that I think could just help so many people listening today is how do you sustain that level of work, right? Because the pressures of going IPO, being you know the senior leader in all of the technology decisions, and this isn't just once, it's multiple times. And then having these passion projects on the side and also doing advisory work. And by the way, you have a family, like, let's just like put that out there. It, you're not like the single dude who's just like locked up in a closet coding all day. Like you're, you have a life and a lot going on. Um, how, do, how do you keep it all going? You know, what, what's your, why what's in it? What's underneath it all for you that really makes you tick? Oh, that's, that's such a great question. Mm. <clears throat> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, you, you make me sound much better than, than what it is. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think the real thing is, 
look, you mentioned family, you know, that is a very big part of what inspires me. Like mm-hmm. I want to do something which my, you know, my kids can be proud of, you know, and I'm hoping I can, you know, help uh, or guide like other, other minds as I kind of go through my career. So I've been lucky enough to do that and being able to work with awesome people, being able to work on something that's impactful, you know, that, that touches a lot of people in a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very motivating. So, it, you know, I get up in the morning every day and I'm, I'm full of energy. I'm ready to get to work. Yeah. You know, I have to say, listening to you talk, um, you know, I have a vision, I have a dream that everybody in tech actually appreciates, you know, the the opportunity that tech provides, which is amazing. I mean, you're changing the way people are buying cars. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, there's so much more to this. And then at the same time, they get to appreciate those that they love and spend time with them. And, you know, my my big thing is transforming the always on, never good enough, will replace you tomorrow kind of insecurities that go on in tech because of the way a lot of companies are managing budget through layoffs, right? And, and I get that there's a lot to this. And because you've been a founder and you've taken companies public, I'm just curious, um, what's the secret sauce to a, a culture where people feel safe to be human? In other words, bring their best at work but also it's okay to like have a family and care about them and spend time with them too. How, how do you see that playing out in leaders? What's, what's the oh, yeah. secret sauce? Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, uh, yeah. I love what you're saying there. And I love the phrase, you know, what does it take? Like, you know, how to be a good human uh, that uh, th- honestly, that, that I think that sums it up. So I think as a leader, um, we have to recognize, right? Like that other people also have lives, people that work in this company, they have other stuff going on, right? And I, I remember reading this somewhere, like um, that everybody has their own like personal storm going on that you have no idea about. Mm-hmm. And and uh, kind of it stuck, it stuck with me. And I think we have to remember that like people have a lot more going on. Like for example, someone might not show up one day for work or maybe they just aren't giving it their 100% and it's been a week. And you're wondering, hey, what happened? You know, are they slacking off? Are they interviewing someone else? Uh, probably not. Probably they have something going on that's bothering them and no one has really checked in. You know, that's more likely the case. And so I think having that perspective that, uh, you know, um, people might have other difficult things going on in their life, um, you know, keeping that can really help, you know, that can help people open up. Um, but also the other thing I want to point out is maybe maybe leading a little bit by example. Like for example, I um, I don't really lock my door when I'm in meetings, which means my my kids walk in, mm-hmm. you know, or sometimes they just suddenly slam the door open because they want to get something. Yeah. And I'm in a I'm in a meeting with like ten other people, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that, you know, because we're all in this in this situation um, for the first time. And I think if you set the example that this is okay, then hopefully other people find it okay too. And they can be less stressed about it. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. I think setting the example makes it safe for other people there. You know, if you're emailing at midnight, everyone else is going to be checking their emails at midnight. Like, so maybe you set it to be going out at six in the morning. I don't know. But, you know, if you don't take vacation and telling everyone else to take vacation, they're not going to, you know, you're not walking. They're not going to walk. Like the leader sets the tone. I just love what you said so much because I, I wholeheartedly know that in my soul that that's where it starts, right? And so 
here I am talking to you, having been, been a founder, having taken companies public, you know, having worked your worked your way up, right? And knowing that you want you you've managed really large teams through very turbulent times, right? And I I just really appreciate when somebody can say, yeah, you got to walk the talk, right? Because not everybody does. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in tech to turn it, to change that for people, especially now with the kids walking in, right? You making that okay. Man, you know, there's a lot of women in tech that still don't feel like it's okay to have the kid interrupt, you know? And a lot of women are leaving tech right now because they're not able to really just sustain the tremendous pressure that's been going on in the world on top of, you know, having a very demanding career in tech. And I know that this is something you care deeply about. Um, what advice would you give to our listeners to make an environment where you don't lose this amazing talent, which are the women in your workforce and create a more flexible environment for them to be able to thrive? You know, what's, what's your take on that? Or what, what ideas do you have? Yeah, uh, sorry, you've just given me a, you've just given me an opportunity, so I have to take it. Um, yeah. So if, if you are not happy where you are and you're a woman and you're looking for something, someplace nice to work, come join us. Oh, I we're love doing it. Some awesome <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, drop. You're doing some awesome things. So just you know, come come join us at Shift. Okay, uh, it's a, it's a nice great place for, for all kinds of people. All right. Love it. Um, um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, going back going back to what I said, like it's, I think things are improving in tech but there's still so, so much more that, that needs to be done. You know, I think there's been improvement when it comes to say maternity leaves and, and even paternity leaves, but I think there's still like a lot more to be done. And some of it needs to be done like, you know, by the government, some of it just needs to be done and, and like become a standard within yeah. companies, right? So in terms of retaining people, especially, especially women, I, I think the first thing is honestly, uh, and this is something that we actually did. The first thing is, make it comfortable for women to apply. Now, this is, I don't want to sound too general because I'm sure this does, does not apply to everybody, but um, this is something that actually someone pointed out to me when we were writing our job descriptions is that if you're going to write that we want, you know, strong experience in, in this language, you know, that's sort of a consideration for you to apply. Some people might just self-select themselves out, mm. you know, yeah. whereas some people might not like right and uh, you know not to sound sexist here but generally demographics show that you know males are more likely to not care about such a restriction and still apply for the job totally. even though it doesn't exactly meet the requirements yeah and what got pointed out to me was that uh, women or you know um, people with a different orientation they might just self-select themselves out just take, um, uh, you know for whatever reason they might have and so yeah, we deliberately yeah. went and cleaned up all of our JDs to make them, you know, softer and not so, you know, not so limiting. Mm -hmm. And so now mm -hmm. our hope is that, okay, I hope people now feel that, yeah, they can apply even if they loosely match these, these requirements. Right. Yeah. And then we, we do our best to try to find, um, you know, essentially like start at the pipeline level, which is we, we try to work with this, this really great company out there, the mom project, you know, they, I don't know if you've heard of those guys, but like, oh, very much. You know, yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. You know, people complain about the pipelines. So I'm like, you have to go find a solution. So that's one solution. And there are other companies like that, mm -hmm. you know, where, uh, where you can find uh, really specific talent um, if, if you go look for it. So, so it starts there, make sure people are in the interview cycle. So if you do all of that, 
already from the beginning, women will feel like, you know what? Yeah, these guys actually care. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they made it easier for me to get in. And it's, uh, it's part of the culture, right? And so uh, that'll help sort of define, you know, once, um, pausing for a quick minute, like if you, like uh, when we think about culture, the way I think about it is, it's like, it's, you know, it's not defined by whatever, 10 bullet points on a, on a <laughs> document, right? It's, yeah. so very loosely speaking, culture is defined by the people that you hire, the people that you fire and the people that you, you know, promote. Mm-hmm. And so if you make it easier for people from different backgrounds to come and join your company, then you're going to have a great diverse company. Those people are going to come and help build up that culture. They're going to hire similarly, you know, have different perspectives in, in building their teams. So, yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate what you're saying. And I want to just, I really want to double click on something you said. That's so good. I haven't heard many leaders talk about really looking at the job descriptions through that lens. And there is a lot of research that justifies what you did, which is we're going to change the language to make sure that people aren't self-selecting out. It's freaking fab, that alone. Then you said working with the mom project, which I'm a huge fan of. I actually do a lot of work with an organization called Women Back to Work. And that focuses on the women that have taken the break, which similar to the mom project, this is, but uh, Women Back to Work is specific returnship programs in tech. So it's a very niched space. And mm-hmm. I work with the returners and their spouses all the time. Um, and what I find with them is that the spouses are more nervous about it than um, the returners because the, the home life is going to change so much, right? Because the returners going back into the workforce. And I heard you talk about culture and walking the talk. And so um, I just have a really big smile on my face about all of this because that really is part of it, right? And then the last thing I heard you say, which I really want to emphasize is diversity. So this is not something that I have been... Um, I would never claim to be an expert in diversity, right? I understand I have, I probably have privilege I don't even know about, do you know? And I'm constantly evolving and looking and learning. But here's what I do know is that, and I want your take on this when it comes to design, right? And engineering and, you know, building a product. If you don't have diverse representation on those teams, I mean, I've heard of some really big technology fails just because they didn't have the the blend, if you will, that's needed to make sure um, that it will work and be received and actually do what it's intended to do. So I'm just really curious. And I just organically showed up when you were talking, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on diverse teams and leadership, leading a diverse team. And what does that look like having the experience that you have? What are the benefits of it? I guess if we were to convince someone today that diversity is a good thing. Yeah. I, I so wholeheartedly believe that. Okay. So, uh, personal anecdote, um, designed a product just a few years ago and made sure that I had uh, women look at it, mm-hmm. uh, starting with my wife, then my sister, and, you know, a bunch of other, one more of my friends. And the thing is, I feel like men will go out of their, out of their way to say, this is awesome, and this is just going to work, mm. and, you know, you're going to, and they're going to use language, like, you're going to crush it, and yeah. all, all that stuff. <laughs> And women will just be straight with you because they will, they will, they'll have a different perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. and so I, I really appreciate that, you know, and mm-hmm. um, so I, I absolutely agree. I think it's, I mean, not only is it morally the right thing to do is, you know, to hire a diverse population. I mean, look at the world around us, right? Right. But yep. it's, it's great for business 
right? If you have, if your company is made of a pe- of people who look like your customers, then mm-hmm. that's great. We have a better understanding of the people we are trying to serve. Yeah, right? that's awesome. It's, so, um, it's uh, I mean, there, there's a lot. Again, I like likewise. You know, I'm no expert here, but mm-hmm. again, I think these are these are small things that can help. Yeah, yeah. I should tell the audience this is not something. This is a very organic conversation. If you're listening in, and Karan and I have maybe spent. 35 to 40 minutes total talking in our lifetimes. Do you know what I mean? And so I know that these questions, um, they're just coming at you. And um, I appreciate just, you know, us just going there, right? Because this is what life's about. And these are the deep conversations that need to be had. So yeah, thank you. Um, I have another question for you. And it's, I haven't had a founder on before, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm so curious, knowing, you know, I've worked with founders, I coach founders, but I haven't had them on as a guest here. And, you know, I would just invite you to share your thoughts and experience on life as a founder and the, you know, the pressures, the ups and downs, and honestly, the loneliness that goes with that too, right? I mean, there's a lot that I don't think people really understand that, you know, if you could educate us all a little bit on what that's like, so we can have a better perspective, even when we're pitching or presenting an idea or trying to, you know, get budget, or there's all kinds of things that, you know, people like to do. Um, what do you have to say about that? What can we learn? Enlighten us today, my friend. I'd love to know. Yeah, thanks. That is a, yeah, it was a, I mean, I started a company a few years ago. It was a very, you know, big part of my career. It, I mean, I learned so much just, I mean, I learned a lot about myself, about like what I'm capable of. And I learned a lot about the world, you know, about how to, how to work with people, how to, how to inspire, how to, how to learn from what other people are doing how to ask for help. There, there, there's so much that goes on, right? Uh, but I have a, a quick little story, right? So there was this, when I was um, this relatively naive founder trying to figure things out, you know, one of the things that you do is you, you go to other founders, people who've raised C rounds, A rounds, B rounds, you know, who look like they're on their way to success, mm-hmm. right? Like this is the dream, right? You know, raising your series B or whatever. And you go, go to them for advice and they give you really frank advice. And I met this founder and, and he, he was great. You know, he shared a lot. He helped me out. And a couple of years after that, he sold his company and I met him then. Um, and he was immediately, and I was like, hey, great. Congratulations. You sold your company. I was like, oh man, I'm so glad that's over. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I did not expect that answer. <laughs> right? was yeah. like, I was blown mm-hmm. away. And anyway, so, so it made me realize that even though things might look really peachy when, you know, mm-hmm. they're on TechCrunch or, or, or something like that. It's, yep. the, everybody's going through the same ups and downs, mm-hmm. right? Every founder, like, it's just, it's just the level has changed, right? Like, so if you think about Donkey Kong, I don't know if you remember that game. Oh like, my gosh. You go level by level, right? Donkey Kong, and yeah. so, the, so the thing is, mm-hmm. as you're raising your rounds, as you're growing your company, your level changes, but you still have to keep fighting the, you know, the next boss level, yep. you still have to get to the next level and mm-hmm. it's, it's hard and it's going to be, you're going to have different challenges, but you're going to have challenges. Right. Yeah. So I guess one thing I want to point out, especially to, you know, some of the, the younger founders is, is don't like, don't imagine, like, like don't seek happiness with the next milestone. Oh, so we say that, it again. Like, that's, say it that's again. just so good. It's, it's not, that's not how it works, right? It's seek happiness at the next milestone. That's what you said, right? 
Yes. Yeah, that's a writer yeah. downer. That's a writer downer. Yes. Yeah, like the next milestone is just the next milestone. Yep. And so you got to see, seek happiness in the journey rather than, oh, mm -hmm. I'll be happy when I hit a Series A or I'll yep. be happy when I hit a Series B and, or I'll be happy when I hit whatever, you know, 20 million valuation or 100 million mm -hmm. valuation. I mean, basically, essentially, you're putting your life on hold through all of these years to get validation from some other metric, from some press or from some investors or, or something like it's it's a vanity metric basically right mm -hmm. oh my so, gosh so totally and, and every every founder is going through this and yep. yeah i wish uh people figured out a way to 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 you know keep things in perspective but and i know it's it's easier to talk you know than do it when you because when you're in it you're just you're in the zone yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, but yeah well i i, I oh my gosh <laughs> i don't normally like lose words i have so much i want to say to just um support what you're saying because yeah first of all whether you're a founder or you're still in elementary school you everybody has these goals that are based on external societal expectations right what your parents think what your spouse thinks what the world says and i have never seen an easier way to get stuck in your own way when I'll be happy when is a thought. I'll be happy when. I mean, the, fundamentally, the thing that I, I've, when I work with my clients, what we talk about is how do you want to feel? It's what I asked you before we went live, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you want to feel is a real good indicator to align the goals you're setting. Because then you say, oh, is this goal I'm setting going to make me feel this way? Will I feel this way on the journey? You know, because it's not just that my dad used to always say, oh, here we go, dad. It's not the destination. It's the journey. And I said, you know, you know what you do to your parents. Right. But fun fundamentally, knowing how you want to feel and calibrating that against the goals you're setting. I want to feel accomplished. Well, you can. Yeah, you can IPO, but there's other ways to feel accomplished, too. Right. Because the pressure that comes with some of these decisions that people put themselves in, it's tremendous, you know, and it gets very. um romanticized that's the word i'm going to use right yeah to your that's... point yeah i was on a panel oh gosh a couple of years ago i was the only uh, non founder on the panel if you will like there was a unicorn you know, we had all these like different series we had investors and all this and all of them said what you're saying in their own way but i've never, i haven't heard it just so succinctly as what you just said and then you know my own personal story on this journey with what you're talking about that I just kind of want to meet you with and see what you see, what your reaction is to this. So when I left corporate and I formed our consulting firm, there was an opportunity to buy a boutique consulting firm. And I immediately mm -hmm. went, well, I'm older. It's already established. I'm going to just go buy it, you know, build or buy. Right. Mm -hmm. And time is of the essence. So I'm going to go buy it. And it was a pretty hefty price tag. And I had to go raise funds. Right. I went to the angel funding round. I pitched it to everybody all mm -hmm. over the place. And I did get some investors. And I realized I just got a serious like master's degree in funding, right? And pitching. And it changed everything. So through that whole process, I then realized I want to do it my way. Right. So that's like, I guess like that the, the inside of the founder, right? Um, and I didn't want to have the debt and I didn't want to work for the investors. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to. I was like, no, 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 no. I got enough pressure. I'm going to go try my little thing over here. And it's, we've grown and we've done great, but I going into it, didn't think about, oh, I'm going to be indebted to all of these people. I just thought they'll believe in me. I'll get the money. It's all good. 
Hell no, that is not how it works. Yeah, I am with you exactly. You, um, I mean, unless it's an important part, but yeah. but yeah, you are accountable to them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It was a whole like whoa. <clears throat> Talk about taking on risk. Yeah, Ra raising money means taking on fiduciary responsibility, mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes you'll get great investors, which will help you like just grow your company and. Be, be awesome partners in this whole mm -hmm. journey and sometimes you won't yeah and <laughs> there yeah. are those there are those kinds too so you have yeah. to be very very picky yeah I, I had to get really clear like i'll be happy when i get the investors and i was like wait that's not going to make me happy so how do i want to feel mm -hmm. i wanted freedom and like freedom of choice and i wanted to be with my daughter and not be all in all the time to someone else so we scaled back and you know now we're we're growing but yeah, I had to figure out how I'm so glad I had that awareness because I can't even imagine what life would be like. So um, I'm yeah, just that, that's that sounds great. It sounds like a very thoughtful decision. In the moment, I didn't feel thoughtful. I thought, how stupid am I? Do you know, don't we always question? I'm just being honest. Like, what did I just do? Um, yeah. Giving money back to investors. That's fun, too. Right. I changed my mind. Here you go. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, been there, done that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's strange. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're kind of talking about stress too and like self-awareness. So what's your, how do you manage your stress? Like let's, let's share some tips to folks on what works for you. Maybe they'll get some ideas from you. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. So it, there were a few years where I had no idea how to manage stress. In fact, I didn't even realize I was stressed, mm, but yeah. man, it, it was crazy stressful. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, when I got out of it, that's when I realized, Oh, wow. You know, I can, the world is somehow clear again. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I kind of, you know, learned a few things from that. Um, so what I do now is like, I think, I think a big part of just not having stress in your life or just generally being happier, honestly, is putting your health as a very high priority on the list of things you need to do every day. Uh, sounds cliched. Everyone talks about this, but it's, I'm genuinely saying like the days that I don't work out, I just feel down so I, I think it's good it's like it's biological it releases hormones it makes you feel good it helps you make good decisions so it's it's good it's good for your work it's it's good for your life you know so people should make it a priority uh so i do that um and i do a bunch of other, other things too you know like you like you mentioned you know i have a family so I, I like to spend time with my family with my friends and even even i mean even though we have covid now um, I'm really looking forward to this happy hour that's coming up with my with my colleagues and great. yeah I think you know it'll be it'll be great to see people in person after such a long time and so so it's the, it's the little things you know mm -hmm. you got to take these little breaks disconnect from technology get away from your computer get away from your phone and go do something else yeah you know I think that can kind of put things in perspective and yeah give you mm -hmm. yeah and easy turn off your notifications yeah. right yeah we were joking um anyone listening we were joking we put our phones in airplane mode and we're like when's the last time we had to go in airplane mode right even that kind of <laughs> notification blocking uh, yeah. um i want to ask you karan you said something that i think would really help people if i could double click on it with you so you said i didn't even know i was stressed and then all of a sudden i stopped and the world was clear it, could you just for people to, i don't think people walk around going i'm burnt out um, I know I didn't, I was in it and I could mm -hmm. not see the forest from the trees. And, you know, I had to have a health issue to like, wake me up. Right. Um, could you describe what it was like before you had that 
experience of, oh, the world is clearer. What, what was it when you were in it that you, you couldn't recognize and maybe we can help other people recognize it sooner than we did? Yeah, you know, this, so I'm referring to maybe like a couple of times in my life, like, I mean, in my recent life, at least just one was obviously when I was building my company, the other was, you know, when I was going through this IPO process with my, uh, you know, with the previous company, thing, things can get really stressful. I mean, these seem like really big milestones and, and, you know, hard things that you have to hit. And especially when you're building your own company, it's, you're mm-hmm. responsible for so many people, right? So so when you're in it, it so what it, it'll be simple things. It's like maybe it's something like you know what, I'm this email is important. I'm gonna spend the next whatever thirty minutes on it, or this deck is important, mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna skip my uh, skip breakfast today, or I'm gonna skip this, you know, this call with my buddy today, mm-hmm. and or I'm gonna whatever skip my skip my jog, skip my run, mm-hmm. and pretty soon it turns into a week, a month, you know, these things because you just get into the habit of doing that. And of prioritizing A over B all the time. Yep. And and I think what I've realized now is you instead of having to make those decisions and make, you know, get into that sort of a routine where you're always prioritizing everything else over um, you know, your general uh, general well-being. Mm-hmm. That's first of all, that's not good for your work anyway. That's yeah. not good for your relationships. And uh, of course, I mean it's not good for your health. So so I think if you put routines in place, and and I think you know very successful successful people do this, you know they they make sure that they 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 spend time with their family or you know whoever their significant other is, or they make sure they spend time to to stay healthy, and we see them do amazing things with their companies with their work. Yeah. So it's 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 not a novel idea. It's just something I think we have to remember. You when I. I'm listening to you talk and I, I really appreciate how you described it because yeah, that was me too. It was, I'll just eat at my desk or I don't need to eat. Or, you know, you start to like deprioritize the basics for yourself and then keep thinking, well, there's just not enough time. I got to get it all done. I'll just work late. I don't need sleep. Oh, it's only a Saturday. Oh, you know, and you just kind of like make it less important and just for the, for the good of whatever. Right. And that's that always on part that I keep, you know, talking about. Um, I really appreciate your examples. They're very tangible. And I think people can see that. So if you notice yourself skipping lunch, breakfast, dinner, time with family, things that make you happy, phone calls with friends, and you wake up and it's three months, you know, you're on the path. (laughs) You know, there are push times, of course, quarter end for any salesperson. You're going to be busy, you know, year end for anybody in finance. You're going to be busy. Um, tape outs, you know, yeah, release parties. Uh, there are times. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Right? It's not, but it's, it's not black and white. Exactly. Yeah. We're not saying that. We're just saying the theme over time. Like, look for the trend. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. Exactly. And actually, you know, you you mentioned something really interesting there. So, I think one of the things that's really important for business is having time to be thoughtful. Oh, hundred percent. Right? And, and if you're sitting in front of your email all day or your slack or mm-hmm. you know i mean today people are in endless zoom meetings yep it's uh i mean you our brains just don't work that way like it's biologically not possible to be thoughtful when mm-hmm. you're trying to juggle like four things at the same time yep and so i think you have to step away to become good at the other things mm-hmm. right yeah uh, i'm just remembering this one thing i was so i used to go to this gym and they had this poster of someone playing golf and basically the the summary of it was 
you work out so that you can be good at other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yes, that's, that's, that's brilliant. what about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's- yeah. I mean, it, you know, the, the, what is, I don't even know what day of the week it is. It doesn't even matter. At least three times this week, I was working with different leaders and I always do a calendar assessment with them. I take a look at where they spend their time. And then we talk about the return of their time and, you know, their investment of their time. I can always find people at least two hours a week. Easy, right? And then I'll say, okay, that's time you're going to block now. And that's thinking time. That's white, mm-hmm. sp- I call it white space. Well, no, I can just get more done now. I'm like, no, no, no. We're the, this is exact, uh, this is like, we are not the industrial revolution. We are a knowledge worker-based world. Your brain has to file things and resort. And I said, the ideas you get usually, aren't they in the shower when you're in, sleeping at night or when you're working out? This is when people get ideas. Yeah, yeah. We fight it. We fight it. The society's like, must be busy all the time. And I'm like, being still is actually being busy for your creativity and your innovation. And you don't have time to not make time. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, so let's talk about like, how to, how to put some of this in practice, right? So I'll I'll give a quick example. I love it. Yeah. For example, when we do our, uh, some of the processes that we've set in, I've set in place, like across different teams, you know, that I've worked with, is especially for engineers. The, so the way I think about code is it's basically two hours of just thinking and then maybe 30 minutes of actually writing the code. You know, it's, okay. it's, you have to think about what you are going to get done, what's the outcome that you want. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's very unlikely that people are going to stop and just think for two hours because that's just not how we work. Like you, you'll get occupied into something else. But um, what we try to do is is push really back, you know, push hard on meetings, which is have as few meetings as possible. Mm-hmm. And simply saying that doesn't work. So one of the things that I've done with my teams is actually put in place, hey, we're going to have these, these, these meetings, you know, and mm-hmm. we're going to use these meetings for this, this, for this, this, for this, and every team now go do it, right? And so what that means, it gives everybody a framework. And of course, like you said, it's not black and white. There, yeah. You know, yeah. people have their variations, but... I feel like you kind of got to put some systems in place, which mm-hmm. creates a forcing function, like creates these windows of time yep. where you know that, that it's your time, mm-hmm. you know? Right? Yeah. And then the best leaders I know are the ones that actually put the systems in place. I had someone on our podcast a while back and all she does is help people design their meetings. Right. <laughs> that's, that's great. Fabulous. Yeah. Shout out to um, Elise at lucid meetings, straight up amazing what they do. And what she was just talking about um, has really to do with the, the process and operations of it and everybody being on the same page, because that's where the freedom comes. It's funny because people are like, oh, we're constrained. It's like, you're really not. It's like raising kids, the same thing. You know, you put the boundaries on and then the freedoms within the boundaries. So yes, you know, stand-ups, you know, check-in war rooms, all these have a purpose and they all came about from something, but I really would love to spend a little bit more time in the mind of an engineer, because I think you, you have that, right. And it's not something I have. I support engineers all day with the work that I do. Um, but if you, th- when you think about when is an engineer at their best, knowing just how engineers are wired, I love this idea of structure. And especially if you're leading the team. So if you're leading a team of engineers, um, what other tips do you have for the leaders listening to really optimize for performance and also um, innovation when it comes to breaking some of this like ingrained normalcy we have on back to back and go, go, go. Yeah, that that is such a great question. And thanks for asking. It's so relevant. Uh, I think, uh, so I've seen, 
So let's talk about how I've seen it done not well. Right? Yeah, let's do not well. Then we'll go <laughs> yeah, to the other side. Not, not well, right? I've seen um, sometimes leaders and they can be engineering leaders or they can be product leaders. So like product managers, for example. Yep. yep. Be very specific about what they want, right? And like be really specific about, hey, you know, my team of three, four engineers, two engineers, go make this. And here is a spec, here's a requirement and done. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they go away. That will not spur any creativity. That will not spur any innovation, and that will not spur any collaboration between mm-hmm. the teams. Right, essentially, you're just asking someone to write code for you in a very specific manner, and that is not what engineers do. That is not how I define engineers. Engineers go and find solutions, right? And there can be many different solutions to any given problem. It can start from a very rough, quick hack, which you can get done in the next, you know, thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. To something that's really elegant and long-term, which sets you up for the next five years, right? And so the so the way I've seen it done really well is when you know engineers or people who are actually coding are given the the breadth of space to think and to be creative, and you know about the solutions that they bring to the table. So which means you know people who are working on the business side of things can bring them in early to understand the problem. But then they, they don't keep them in meetings all the time. You know, they, they kind of structure it in such a way so that they can be free to think about the different possible approaches to, to tackling that problem. And I've seen people do that, you know, now with either piece together something with, you know, a bunch of stuff that's available online. I mean, there's an app for everything right now. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Yep. Or, or, yeah, like actually go and write a lot of difficult, complex code, but which is, you know, fantastic for the company. But, you know, you got to people that give people that freedom. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's, I have a loaded question with what you're just saying. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I know you trust me. So I'm just going to go there. Well, I hope you trust me. You know, go there, go there, go there. Yeah. I, I firmly believe this is just, you know, this is my thesis, my hypothesis, if you will. Many, many, many times companies promote these brilliant engineers into people leadership positions simply because they're really smart at what they do not because they have the people skills, right? Um, so many times I see the the people skills, you know, sometimes called soft skills, but, you know, insight into how people work, um, not really being prioritized. And yet this amazing engineer who is, you know, PhD, amazing, brilliant, awesome, but doesn't know how to inspire, motivate, or lead teams gets this opportunity. And then I watch the morale drop. And then it goes back to what you were talking about, like do this specific thing my way. Mm-hmm. Um, is that your experience too, or do you think I'm just kind of living in la la land? No, I know, no, I think you're right. And and honestly, I think I think I'm guilty of doing that at least once. I've definitely seen it done more than once, mm-hmm. um, you know, by by others. Which is like you said, you know, essentially the natural progression of an engineer is as you become technically stronger, you get promoted to a people management position. Mm-hmm. But I think, but I think that's wrong. Right, people should become people managers if they want to become people managers. If they think that's the right career path for them, and of course, of course, if they're actually you know going to be good at it. Right. right. So <laughs> there's that little part if they're going to be good at it, right? I know. Right? Yeah. 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 So so you know one of the ways that uh, several companies solve it, in, including you know what we do, um, is is have different tracks, which is yeah. have seniority tracks for technical and you know. For yep. people who want to be technical or people who want to go into management. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, if you promote someone to be a manager and they're not ready to be a manager, 
it is it's almost impossible for them to go back to being an IC. And totally. It's just it's pride gets in the way. Oh my gosh. Just, you know, image gets in the way. Like no matter what you say, no matter how you how sincere you are that no, this is great. Like, you know, it's it's just not gonna happen, which is which is not great for the company, which is you know, definitely not great for that person, you know. Mm-hmm. And um thankfully in the one instance where where I made that mistake, we were able to fix it. But um yeah. It's uh, yeah, but it's that's why I, th- I think I think you asked a, a really good question, which is you know how do we how do we make sure we promote only the you know people who want to be managers as managers? Yeah, yeah, I think and I appreciate the dual career ladder and the different tracks. I think that it's definitely a start. I think that there's um, again, this is my soapbox, but I think there's just not enough emphasis placed on the competencies of people leadership when these decisions to promote into management happen. And I really feel like it sets a lot of people up to fail, not just the poor person who's trying to become a people leader who thought it was one thing, no realistic job preview, right? All of a sudden, write performance reviews, manage performance, allocate stock. Like, and they're like, what? I was, you know, this is not what I signed up for, right? Um, and yet at the same time, I think the companies have an obligation on, I believe it's an ethical and moral obligation to support them to develop those skills if they show the aptitude and the desire. And somehow everybody's just so busy. It's like, no, you'll figure it out. Just go. And, um, you know, it's job security for me. Don't get me wrong, but it's definitely something that I feel (laughs) really strong about that helping people to lead a human being requires different skills than to lead a technical project, do you know? And so thank you for, you know, my 10 minutes of soapbox on this because I'm always trying to validate if I'm out of touch or if I'm missing something, you know? Cause I do know the failure rates when you you bring a VP in from the outside, 40% failure rate without onboarding and support, without a doubt, right? It's a whole thing. So um, yeah, I don't know that I have a question. Yeah, yeah, no, Lisa, I, I want to double click on that though. I think, you, you know, when you're talking about leadership, really, I think people should remember like leadership is not necessarily management. Right. They're, they're two totally yep. different things. Yep. Right? So, which means you can be a leader without having to be a people manager. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and, and, and we do that, you know, um, at least the teams that I've worked in, you know, we, we try to in, encourage that. And the way I think about this is, the job of a leader is to create more leaders. Like that basically defines you as being a good leader. Yeah. And it, it doesn't start like say when you are a level eight or a level seven, it starts, you know, from very, very early in your career, mm-hmm. right? So even if you are just a couple of years out of college, if you can now help the person who is, you know, joining you straight out of college and help them be a better um, you know, better at what they do, then you are showing signs of leadership. You're developing your own leadership skills, right? Yep. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great manager because like you said, management comes with all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Managing, literally like working with HR and, mm-hmm. you know, managing stakeholders and all this stuff, which, which you might not enjoy, right? Yeah. So so I think they're two, two totally different tracks and you can totally be a great leader and inspiring leader without being without having to be in a management position. I love that so much. Amen. Like, I don't know if I had a mic, I'd be a mic drop. I can't drop this one because it's plugged in. Yes, there is is a difference. Absolutely. There's a difference. I love this so much. 
Yeah. Okay. So I really want to ask you a random question and I, okay. a random question. And it has to do with like how you grew your own leadership skills, people leadership skills, if you will. Um, I guess that's my question, honestly. Did you know, did you, do you have a degree in business and people leadership? Did you read a couple of books? Did you go through some sort of program? How did you develop your, um, not only your skills, but your understanding of what it means to be a people leader? Yeah, that is, that is such a good question. Um, I think, I think, the, okay, I think there's, there's a few different, few different ways, few different things played into this, mm -hmm. right? Um, I mean, I, I used to think that this is something you could just, you know, get from books or go get an MBA and you'll be a, a mm -hmm. leader. I mean, you can certainly, certainly be in a management position after getting an MBA or, you know, very specific degree, but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll be a good leader. I think part of being a good leader just comes from within. Um, I think some people, I mean, because you can see five-year-olds, seven-year-olds be great leaders on the playground and they have definitely not read a management book, I hope. Right. right? <laughs> um, so I think, I think some of it is just personality, right? Mm -hmm. But then some of it does come from experience, right? So for example, I, I got the chance to work with a VP of engineering early in my career and he was amazing, you know? Just a very honorable person, led by example, and I, I, you know, some of that just thankfully rubbed off on me. And I, so I tried try to use that. Then uh, something else is, of course, like, like you know, you know what doctors do, right? Like they they keep learning throughout their career. Mm -hmm. They they are always learning, right? And so I think if you similarly, like we have to hone our leadership skills. Right? You have to read books. You have to learn from other people's successes and mistakes. Yeah. You know, watch videos of people giving speeches about speeches about this. Watch a bunch of tech talks. I mean, that's that's like very tactical advice. But I think it's I good. Think that's what you have to do. There is yeah. so much. There is so much information available. Yeah, and you can kind I, of pick and choose the stuff that that you know sticks out to you. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm listening, and I'm I always filter what people say. I like segment it. And I heard something in there you didn't say, but I'm going to make sure if I heard it right. I think there's also a part about having a value. Uh, you know, valuing people having it's, you are wired a certain way, you can learn anything, of course, but also there's this, um, a pull through of values when you're talking about the VP of engineering that rubbed off on you, whatever it was, he, he or she valued as the leader. When it rubbed off on you, it was, a, in my mind, it's a match and you went, that feels good. I want more of that. And I want to give that to others. Um, did I get that right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's yeah. almost like also pay attention to leaders, you managers and leaders you liked having on your side and others that you didn't and, you know, and incorporating that too, right? And yeah, I, I, I firmly believe it's a lifelong journey. I don't think you ever stop learning how to be a better people leader. I mean, you can't, I mean, people have never in our lifetime managed an entire world of pandemic related work situation yeah. right you, you gotta evolve you gotta yeah it has to happen so yeah and, and yeah. also it's, it's a changing field right it, if you remember totally yeah like a few a few years ago you know maybe a couple of decades ago things used to be very autocratic mm -hmm. but this is not that way anymore like you yeah. know people have changed attitudes have changed you know people are educated in a slightly different way so they expect different things from their jobs mm -hmm. so i think that's why leadership styles also have to change 
Yeah. You know, simply write, like I said, simply writing things on a board doesn't cut it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Command like, and control is going bye-bye. Yeah, exactly. Okay, in collaboration. Yeah. Karan, I could talk to you for hours. This is so, I'm so grateful for your time, especially through the lens that we've had today for the audience that we reach on this podcast. Um, it's, there's so much good you dropped here um, from everything from stress management, you know, how you built your own leadership, what it's like to be a founder, talking about balancing work life, supporting women in the workplace, you know, working with all kinds of different um, diverse teams. It's just, it's just been awesome. I'm really grateful. And I definitely need to ask this question because I have a playlist and we are not leaving without our song question. Uh, th thanks so much for having me on. Honestly, oh my very, very kind of you. You asked such awesome questions and, oh, thank and, you. and yeah, you made me really think and be retrospective. So, so thanks. Oh, good. Well, I can't wait to hear the comments on this one from others, but okay. so we're building yeah. the playlist and here's my question for you. This is the home run question. With everything that you have going on in your life and you're trying to, you know, raise your energy, you're feeling funky, tired, not motivated, whatever. What's a song that you listen to that feeds your spirit and that, well, you smiled, so I know it's in here, but what's a song, what's your go-to song to just pick yourself up? Uh, okay. Um, I, I, so I, I, gen I love music, so there, there's many, um, but there, there's, a, there's definitely a go-to. Um, did you grow up listening to The Doors? I know some of The Doors, yeah. Okay, so there's, there's a song called The Soft Parade. And that song is just that song is amazing. Like the the lyrics are amazing. So yeah, I listen to that from time to time. The the thing with that song is that it picks up, and when it picks up, so uh -huh. anyway, it has that going for it. You, you know, you might enjoy it. Um, but another another one that's really popular is uh, and really easy, by the way, to play on a guitar. It's uh, "Tap Thumping" by Chumba Bamba. Have you heard that? <laughs> I get knocked out. That one. Yeah, I get that one. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it has vodka and everything in it. So it's, it's a great song. Okay. Whiskey drink. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't think yeah. I know the Doors song. Soft Parade. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. The Soft Parade. All right. This is awesome. Okay. You guys, we got two songs. Um, so anybody listening in, I want you just to take one minute and think about that song that lifts your spirits too. you know, leave this conversation today with some insight, awareness, know that you've got this right. And that your health matters more than anything, because without your health, you can't do anything else. And I, Karan, thank you for pointing that out too, along this journey today. It was a really important topic. We well, talked about. Thanks so much, Lisa. I love what you're doing here. I think it's, I think it's so great. It, it helps so many people. Thank you. Thank you. You guys check the show notes. And if you're a woman in tech and you're looking for a place to go, I know some really great job descriptions over at shift. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so right, much. Everybody. Yeah. Thanks Take for care. That. Yeah. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. That was great content, but let's be honest. If you don't get the support you need and start making changes in your life and work as a leader in tech, you can expect regret and burnout in the near future. Lisa can help you get kick-ass results at work without burning out so you can be present for the moments that matter to you and your loved ones. Take your first step at RebootWithLisa.com.